Good morning and welcome again to Words of Hope. I'm Mark Yoder and grateful again for this opportunity to spend a few minutes with you today. Hoping again today to be able to share some words of encouragement, things that will bless you. If you are like me, it's kind of hard to believe we're this far into the Christmas season. This is a time when many, many people celebrate as families and there's a lot of fun and a lot of togetherness and enjoyment. It's also a season when, for many people, it's a reminder of the things that have gone wrong and there's some sadness and loneliness, broken hopes and dreams. So I encourage you during this season to be kind wherever you go, to speak words of hope in every way you can. Many of you are already into your celebrations, and I hope it's a great time. My son, Israel, came from Michigan last week with his oldest son, Shadrick. We had a few days of hunting together and Felt a little bit like Christmas had already started. My oldest grandson shot a 15-point buck with his bow. By the way, my boys love to hunt, but only with bow and arrow. They don't want to give an unfair advantage to the deer by using a gun. We were able to take uh, six deer last week, and there's nothing very important about that except just to say again today, there are so many blessings in this journey of life, and I want to stress, I want to talk a bit about giving today, but I want to begin again to remind you that giving at Christmas really starts with understanding the gift that God has given. We give because God has given to us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I say over and over and over to people, if you miss Jesus on this journey of life, you miss everything. But if you find him, you find everything. And I would just share again today that the more you understand the forgiveness and grace of Jesus, the more you come into an awareness of acceptance from God, the more you appreciate all of his other gifts, uh, the many, many blessings. You know, like my son said last week as we went out hunting, he said it feels like Christmas morning because he just enjoyed that. Many people are like children that have been offended by a parent somewhere, and after that, it's uh, the parent can never do enough, and the gifts they do give are not appreciated because it's just payback on some kind of sense of bitterness or loss. Many people treat God that way. They've been disappointed with something, and things didn't go the way they wish, and ever after, there's just... Uh, a missing of the many, many blessings. The Bible says the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And the more you appreciate and understand his amazing love and his amazing forgiveness, I believe the more you appreciate and love all of his other gifts and blessings. I want to encourage you in that today. And we'll be back in a little to share some a story that I hope encourages you in the spirit of giving this Christmas season. Mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall Telling those lies, pointing out your flaws That isn't who you are That isn't who you are It might be hard to hear, but let me tell you, dear If you could see what I could see, I know you would believe that Trust in 
Anyways, Christmas really is about the spirit of giving, and as I mentioned, I think it begins, first of all, by understanding the great gift that was given to us when God gave his son. Second thing I would encourage people to remember is to give themselves fully back to the Lord. He's the one that made you. He's the one that redeemed you. He only works for good in your life, and so when you come to him and surrender to him, I believe that's when life really begins. The symbol that we have in the Christian faith of baptism is really a symbol that my life is no longer mine. I'm buried with him by baptism into death. And again, today, if you've ever made a commitment to the Lord and you haven't been baptized, I would encourage you to do that. Maybe this Christmas would be a great time even to make that public statement, my life's no longer mine, but it belongs to the Lord. When we give everything to him, it begins to affect so much of us, including our giving. Um, Back in March of this year, I was headed to Tanzania. And just before I left on this trip, I had a very pointed message I felt from the Lord saying, Mark, I want you to go on this trip as a learner. And For me, it meant several things as I sought the Lord about that. It meant that I should try to have some other men, other pastors do some of the preaching and teaching when we were together doing this retreat that I was asked to do in Tanzania. God arranged for that in a kind of a unique way. Um, I had misunderstood the date of when I was to be there and scheduled my plane tickets a day late, which turned out to be just perfect. I had planned to travel with a young man from our church, and at the last minute, he wasn't able to go. And so I invited two men from Kenya that I've known for many years to join us there. Turned out that that was exactly what was needed. Uh, The people that invited me to Tanzania speak English, but they would have had a very difficult time understanding me well enough to interpret for me in those meetings, where the guy from Kenya, we've been together He's done a lot of interpreting for me for the last 18 years, and he spoke Swahili and was able to do that really, really well, including while we were at the host house. So anyway, the Lord had gone ahead of that in special ways. But as I was traveling, we were I was in the airport in Amsterdam on our way to Kilimanjaro, thinking about the fact that I'm on this trip as a learner, And I saw some men that looked like pastors. They were dressed suits and ties, and I thought I'd go over and talk to them a bit. And sure enough, they were Seventh-day Adventist pastors that had been to a conference here in the U.S. and were returning 
to Tanzania. As I chatted with them and found out they were Seventh-day Adventist uh, pastors, I asked them, what do you teach about how to get to heaven? On what basis do we find relationship with God? And they gave a very good answer. They said, Jesus is the Son of God. He died that we can be forgiven. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I was impressed. I said, that's that's right on. I could do high fives with that answer. And um, then the one guy, he said, you know, we're the fastest growing church in the world. I was a little surprised at that. I don't know that much about the Seventh-day Adventist church, but I was a little surprised. And he, I, so I said to him, how are you doing it? And he said, I can tell you how we're doing it. He said 98% of our members give 20% of their income to the church. And I was pretty impressed with that. He went on to say that we teach that tithing is not giving at all. It's just not stealing what belongs to the Lord. And so if you want to give, we encourage giving that other 10%. He said we use 10% to support the local church and then another 10% to do outreach, missions, evangelism, things like that. So I actually was kind of sad that he used that phrase, 10% is not giving, just not stealing, because that's something I've been saying for many years and sometimes very challenging places to express that. But anyway, I took that to heart. I thought, Lord, I really want to hear that message. In fact, I want to repeat it. Part of the reason I'm sharing it right here is to challenge Christians. And by the way, you don't even have to be a Christian to be blessed by having a generous spirit and by giving systematically. It's something that God so loves that he'll bless even in a non-Christian. But anyway, I went on from there. After we had been in Tanzania, had a great time there. I went back to Kenya and spent a number of days there visiting the church I'm connected with. And then we've been supporting some young pastors there for quite a few years, uh, six or seven pastors. And I was going to visit with these men just to kind of catch up with them and hear their heart. During these visits, I kept hearing a common theme of men that seemed a bit discouraged financially, feeling like they could barely make it. Um, one young man that I really, really appreciate said, Pastor Mark, I come to the conclusion that Satan is not afraid of a poor preacher. And I showed shock in my face, disappointment. I said, why, why would you say that? Jesus said, blessed are the poor and that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So why would you say that? And he said, well, when you share the gospel with someone and you're too poor to invite them home for tea or for a meal, it's really hard to be convincing. Anyway, as I was processing this, my heart was a bit convicted. I kept thinking of what this pastor said, the Seventh-day Adventist pastor said about the 20%. And I, I, I wasn't sure if I had done that. Um, I certainly never done it systematically, and I was kind of convicted a bit on that. I thought I should be able to at least do that much. But anyway, as I was thinking about that, I felt convicted to set aside about 50000 out of our business to help these young pastors start uh, some small businesses. They, one guy sells shoes and needed material. Another guy wanted to start a little chicken laying hen business. In fact, a couple of them wanted to do that. And one had a little parts store for motorcycles. 
So I said, look, I don't want to run this through the church. I would like for you to get me uh, somebody in the church that you trust, that's godly, that understands financial things, and we'll set up a special account with them. And they said, we have just the person for you. They, they're on our finance team, and they handle a lot of money for one of the uh, charitable organizations uh, from the U.S. We trust them completely. So I met with this lady. Her name was Ruth. And I said, we got to go over the rules here. Um, you absolutely cannot touch this money for any reason whatsoever. None of it. Not a dollar. If uh, you need personal money, you can ask me and I'll see what I can do. And I'll be glad to pay you for your time. But don't touch any of this money for any reason. And she was like, absolutely, Pastor Mark. I would never do that. And I don't want to be paid. I'm just grateful to be part of it. So... We had sent 30000 and was distributed to these young pastors and some of the things that we were trying to do there. I was pleased. I felt things had gone well. I sent another 20000 Well, right after I sent the second 20000 I got a letter from Ruth. At least I thought it was Ruth. And it said, um, I'm very sorry, but I had an opportunity that came from the Lord to invest in a business, and uh, I was supposed to get the money back at the end of the month, but it hasn't come back yet, and could you please send me some more money because these other guys are needing their money now to finish out some of the purchases they've made. Well, I was very upset and sent her a very harsh letter telling her I would never send her another dollar ever for any reason, that she had broken a trust that uh, she needed to go to the church and repent. The people that trusted in her, she needed to confess her sins and so on. And a little later, I get this another letter back, just kind of full of stress, saying, I'm so sorry, it won't happen again, but please don't make me look bad. And that only upset me more. I sent another letter saying, um, you know, if you try to hide your sin, you can't prosper. I, I was pretty hard on her saying, you must go and repent, confess your sins. My my children were over one evening and somehow they got in on this and read the letter and the, the correspondence back and forth. And they were said, Dad, you're just so ridiculous. You don't understand culture. She doesn't feel like she's taking anything. You're going to drive her to suicide. <laughs> and I was... Uh, by the time they were done with me, I was feeling terrible, and I wrote her a letter that was much kinder and much gentler, and I got a, went back to a new thread there, and I got back a letter that didn't make any sense. Anyway, eventually I asked these guys to please bring her in, confront her with these emails, and we got to get to the bottom of this. So when they did, they're writing back and forth to me, and they're saying, Pastor Mark, there's a really big problem here. All these letters that you say all that, that you've sent to us, Ruth has never seen them. But she has a whole group of letters from you asking you to give money to some man in Egypt. <laughs> and I suddenly went back and looked, suddenly realized I was writing letters to some scam artist who was laughing, I'm sure, the whole time. And unfortunately, she was getting letters that she thought was from me, and they ended up sending $20,000 to somebody we didn't know. And I tried to be gracious about it in a way I felt like my stupidity was no worse than hers. But I did think, I did say if she had the sense of an animal cracker, she should have probably known better.
<laughs> so soon after that, I got some letters from these guys. They're stressing out. They're saying, man, this is terrible. You know, we don't know how the devil got his foot in the door, but Pastor Mark, we're praying. We're praying that you'll get your money back and then some. In fact, we're fasting and praying. Well, I felt a little sarcastic about the whole thing, and I said, you know, probably been good if we'd have done a little praying beforehand and had some things in place that would have prevented this. Soon after that, about a week or so, one morning I was reading in the scriptures there, and I think it's Second Chronicles about 25, the story of the king of Judah going out to war, and he had hired soldiers from Israel, the of the ten tribes that had separated from Judah. And as they were getting ready to go out to war, the prophet came to this king and he said, you better not go to war with these men. The Lord's not with them. You'll, you'll invite disaster. And this king said to the prophet, well, what about all this money that I've paid them? And the prophet came back and he said, the Lord can more than make it up. And I, when I read that, I had to laugh a little bit. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm getting your message. Uh, it was exact words that these men had shared with me from Kenya that the Lord could more than make it up. So I just said again, well, Lord, it was your money from the start. Um, I believe that about everything that I have. And if you want to make it up that's up to you but from now on i'm not going to worry about it anymore if you rather have the scam artists have the money than your poor pastors your that's your business anyway i did i felt like i surrendered it relaxed about it still not too happy about a week later i got a call from somebody and um i didn't know and the background to this story is about 25 years ago on a Thanksgiving morning, as I was getting ready to go to a Thanksgiving service at our church, my wife said, Honey, I've got plenty of room at the table, plenty of food. You can invite someone home today from the service if somebody needs a place to go. Well, wouldn't you know, there was a lady that day that had stopped at our church, and she had, she was a, a, a dentist from Bethesda, Maryland. And she came home. She didn't have a place to go that day. She came home with us. And over the next 25 years, we kept a very casual relationship. We would exchange Christmas cards and just stay in touch to, to a relatively small degree, but remain friends. In 2014, she came to me and said, you know, Mark, I wish I'd like for you to be executor of my will. I'm kind of estranged from my family. And uh, I would just appreciate if you would take care of that. And I said, well, if that's what you want me to do, then I'll be glad to do it. Try to follow your directions for what you want. In all the 25 years, I had never been over to see her. Um, in May of this year, there was a man getting ready to go to Tanzania as a missionary. He lived in Annapolis, Maryland, and he wanted to meet with me, and I said, well, I've always been wanting to go on over to Bethesda and meet with this um, dentist. Maybe I can combine these things. So May the 20th of this year, I went with this man. We met with BJ. We had lunch together. It was a really nice time. For the first time ever, I'd been to her house. As we were eating lunch together, I said to her, you know, you've asked me to be executor of your will, and I would really appreciate 
knowing what you would want done if there's any extra. And she said, Mark, you are a man of God. You do the mission work. You take care of the orphans. You'll know what to do with it. And I said, yeah, but I'd still like to know. And she just waved me off. You'll know what to do. That was on May the 20th of this past this year here in 2016. May the 27th, BJ went to a place in Bethesda Beach celebrating her 80th birthday. And uh, she was actually at the Hyatt Regency. And when they came in on the 27th to clean her room, she had actually passed away during the night. Quite a story. The family were called in. They took her back and took care of the funeral and the burial arrangements. Then they found out that I was to be executor of her will, and this is what that call was about. And they said, and by the way, Mark, are you aware that you are the primary heir? So I um, have been on a very interesting journey. We have just a week or so ago, we had the hearing, the will was allowed, and I don't know what's going to come of it except that I... A lot in Bethesda, where she has her practice there, is um, obviously worth quite a bit of money. An open lot's worth about 750000 Well, There's going to be a lot of expenses, and there's other people that need to be paid and all that. But as I went through this whole thing again, I was amazed at what happens when we surrender and give everything to the Lord. I've uh, for many years there in India, my heart has been heavy for these orphans. As they get older, the the director, I've mentioned his name before, is Tarun. And I've said to Tarun, you know, the Bible says houses and lands, property is from fathers, but a good wife, a good companion is from the Lord. And I really think we need to be trying to find ways to help these young men as they start their homes and these these children, as they be, to, if they want to go to college, we need to be doing all we can to help them. But it always looks so overwhelming, still looks overwhelming. We have over 200 of these children, and in some ways even this is a drop in the bucket. But it's a reminder again of the amazing generosity of our God. And I would just share with any of you today, call upon you today to have a generous heart that comes out of the generosity of our God. It is, to me, one of the most amazing things is that we think we get more by being more stingy when, truthfully, the principles are, you know, not only does God love a cheerful giver, so do people. And there's something about generosity that just brings uh, amazing, amazing fruit into our lives. I have this little thing that I share a lot of times when I go places that I think one way you can one way you can get do giving is by giving in your will, your estate. So I've just had this little theory for the last number of years that um, name an extra child charity. That way if you have one child you would split your your estate, give half of it to charity. If you have two children and you name an extra, you'd have two-thirds goes to your children and one-third goes to your um, to this, this uh, charity, whatever it is. And I would really encourage you to give to 
something that is spreading the news of Jesus far and wide. Now, some of you would say that's kind of ridiculous, but you know what? Some of the most wealthy people in the world are saying giving their inheritance away is probably better than giving it all to their children because sometimes there's more harm done by that than good. So it's something to think about. It's another way to cover some of the giving if you failed to give. Here's one other thing I'll just share, and that is if any of you have set aside for retirement and you know that you haven't tithed or you have maybe haven't given that 20%, this would be a good time right here at this Christmas season to say, you know what, I'm going to take 10% of what's been set aside for my retirement. It's just a symbol First of all, that everything belongs to the Lord and also a symbol that my help, my hope, my trust, everything comes from the Lord. Sometimes it troubles me greatly at how um, few resources are available for the church and for the message of sharing Jesus, for the, for the job of sharing Jesus. I say to people often, you know, this message of Jesus is so good. It's so wonderful. It's so powerful. It's so life-changing that the whole world should be on board with this. It's, it seems silly for anyone not to be on board with it. But I believe part of the problem is that those of us who've come to know Jesus and his forgiveness and grace have never learned to live with a grateful, generous heart so that people see us. They see us as stingy. They see us as unhappy. And let's take this Christmas season as an opportunity to change that one person at a time. It's an individual thing. I'll be back in just a minute to share a few final thoughts today. I was a drifter. I had nowhere to go. I was hanging by threads of dust and bone Every angel I knew was singing Son, come home But the melody was hard to sing along Oh God, you're my deliverer Justify the sin of that 
Our next recording will be Christmas Day. The plans at present are for my son Chris and a quartet that he sings with brother to brother, including Kevin Yoder, John Morphle, and Austin Hamilton are planning to come and share some songs with us. Encourage you to check in and enjoy some good quartet music next Sunday, Lord willing, and we'll see you then.